mentally knowing that like a medal is slipping away from you and you literally can't move your legs any faster it's just like the worst thing in the world OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app Off the Ball this is News Talk Welcome back to the second hour of tonight's show. Don't forget the champions, Rob Carney, Johnny Murtha and Ger Lines will be joining off the ball for our Longines Irish Champions Weekend special. It's coming up at the Davenport Hotel in Dublin on Friday, August 26th. It's coming Friday at 7pm. It promises to be a cracking weekend of Premier Racing at Leopardstown and the Curra, which is coming up on Saturday and Sunday, September 10th and 11th. This will be an exclusive off-air event, so the only way to enjoy it is to be there on the night. Tickets to attend the show are free, and all you have to do is register at otbsports forward slash events for tickets if you want to go along to the Davenport uh, for what's going to be a great preview. Now, delighted to say that we're looking back on the European Championships, which were pretty successful for Team Ireland in the end. Kieran McGeehan coming home with a silver in the 1500 metres last Friday night and then at the weekend, Mark English securing a bronze in the 800 metres. We have got Carl Denny, who is covering the championships in Munich across the last couple of weeks, wall to wall. Carl, how are you getting on? Good. Tired, but good. I'd imagine. I saw you say, and I think this is a very fair point, that why can't all championships be in Germany when you look at how (laughs) uh, tremendous Munich was? It was. I mean, talking to some of the people who went to the World Cup there, what was it, 06? um, They were all just saying it was a fantastic World Cup, Who were the journalists who were covering that, and it was a fantastic championships. I missed the 2009 World Championships in Berlin. A lot of people who went to that said that was the best World Championships. Before this, the best European Championships I've been to was in Berlin. So Germany are really stacking up with uh, consistent runs of brilliant championships. And uh, the atmosphere on Tuesday and Sunday specifically was as good as anything I've heard. And I've been kind of going to these things for almost 20 years now unfortunately showing my age but um, as a fan first and then as a journalist but yeah that was right up there yeah look from 2026 the format's going to change around the european championships a little bit it won't be maybe as connected as it has been for these championships the aquatic sections were all in rome but you had the rowing and a lot of the other events taking place in bavaria and then you had the athletics uh, all based around munich and the olympic stadium in a way i think this has worked fantastically well because it keeps the interest levels up. It raises the profile maybe of some of the less mainstream sports. I'm not going to call them minority sports because I saw Greg Allen making that very point on Twitter last night that's unfair to call something a minority sport. But generally, I think this has raised the profile of every event that's taken place over the last two weeks. I agree. I think it, it, it makes perfect sense on paper. Um, the facility in Munich was not suitable for swimming. So swimming basically in aquatics said we're going to hold our own European championships. And athletics joined. Athletics didn't really join in. I mean, on paper, it was part of it four years ago, the multi-sport championships, the first one, but it held its Europeans in Berlin while the rest of them were happening in Glasgow, which is obviously not really a mini Olympics like it was trying to be. This time it got a lot closer and obviously any kind of multi-sport championship wants athletics, you know, of these kind of Olympic sports. Athletics is obviously kind of the biggest attraction, gets the most fans. But I think athletics has looked at it and basically said that with being selfish, I suppose, it considers that the championships need athletics more than athletics needs the championships because athletics is one of those sports that it, its Europeans will draw the crowds and it will get the immediate attention on its own. In a way, unfortunately, that, you know, things like BMX and wall climbing and a lot of the other sports that were present won't. Um, so I think athletics was conscious that the media interest in that was being diluted perhaps across some of these slightly smaller sports. Um, and as a result, it, it figured that, you know, it has more to gain by going out on its own in 2026, which is what it's doing. It's going to be in Birmingham or Budapest 
Athletics on its own for its Europeans in four years' time, and I think that will be good for Athletics, but it will mean probably a very dark future for the future of these multi-sport championships. And I think that's a shame because I think you know from Reese McLennan to whoever else it was, Jenny Egan Simmons in the canoeing, you know, there was a lot of lot of benefit, I guess, to a lot of these Olympic sports getting a platform outside of Olympic year. Yeah, I think they'll fragment away again. It was understandable that golf broke away this time around. And you know, as I say, the aquatics is more for practical reasons more than anything else that it was in Rome. But in 2026, you take away your Ingbertsons and your big stars along the way. It maybe takes away some of the draw that gave a shine to other sports. I was just having a quick look, Colin, where we were at with expectation compared to delivery for the Irish team. Jerry, this is not too far off par really over the last decade. So uh, two medals coming back in the hue of one silver and one bronze this time around. 2018, there was a bronze, same in 2016 and 2015. 14, no medal 2012 with a few near misses and then we go back to 2010 where there was a silver and one bronze so generally we kind of achieved around about where the expectation levels probably were and in this case in Kieran McGeehan and in Mark English you're two who had already delivered at this level before yeah and I think Kieran McGeehan I guess all objective people not that we wanted to really be shouting it but like Kieran McGeehan was almost a banker with the form she was in looking at the field she was up against she had to probably underperform significantly to not win a medal but at the same time, she ran absolutely out of her skin to win that silver. Mark English, it was much harder because, yes, he could have won that and he was a medal contender. But there were about 15, 16 guys who were at a very, very similar level. And, you know, there's obviously only three medals. The fact he got one of them is a testament to his racing craft. And I guess what a confident and sort of smart racer that he is these days. And then, But I think, you know, often, as you said, we do get one or two medals at Europeans historically. Typically, it would be very disappointing if we came away without any medals. But I think what was huge here was the amount of top eight finishes. I mean, Ireland had 11 top eight finishes in athletics, if you include the marathon team, which finished sixth. The highest we've ever had of the Europeans before is six. So to have almost doubled the amount of athletes we have up there in the top eight in Europe, there's no way to look at his championships as anything but a, a roaring success for Ireland. We Kier McGeehan on the show a couple of weeks ago, just after the Commonwealth Games, and she was talking about the quick turnaround between those two events and getting ready to go to Europeans. And she was hoping that some of the momentum might carry through from Birmingham and getting on the podium there. That seems to have very much been the case. And last Friday evening, what a performance to push Laura Muir all the way in a like a fairly high class field that was there, even though I know you're saying and I know you were very confident on last Thursday's show that McGeehan was going to land a medal. But just the nature of the performance and running down an Olympic silver medalist right down to the line was a very, very good showing from Kier McGeehan in the 1500. Yeah, well, that's it. I think my confidence, I suppose, it was based on her form, but it was also based on, I think, her attitude and her kind of experience and her confidence these days. You know, she carries herself in a very different way now, Kira McGee, than maybe she used the five or six years ago when she would turn in the kind of random, huge underperformance at the championship and just be spat out the back. But there was just something about the way she was racing in the Commonwealths and even earlier on this year when she kind of led Louise Shanahan to a national record over 800 metres up in Belfast, you know, led like 750 metres of that race and then Louise kicked by her to get the national record. And the fact Kira had then run in a mixed race over in England and broken two minutes, you could just tell things were bubbling up really well. And I think for probably the first time in Kira McGinn's career, you really saw her race with absolute authority. You know, she threw herself towards the front in the heat in the final and just said, you know what, I'm as good or better than pretty much all of you. And you know, obviously, with the exception of Laura Muir. And as they were going down that back straight for the final time, I mean, we were looking at each other going, could this possibly happen? You know, this is a world bronze medalist, an Olympic silver medalist. 
one of the, the greats, not just of this generation, but of any generation over 1500. And to think Kira was right there with her until 150 meters to go really signals that this was McGeehan at the absolute peak of her powers. And it was after so much she'd been through, whether, you know, crises in confidence at previous championships, whether it was the injury issues, underperformance, things like that, overtraining, whatever it was, we'd seen her in tears for all the wrong reasons at championships in the past. And to see her just with such confidence, class, composure, to walk away with that silver medal, you know, up against Natalie like Laura Muir, that that had to have felt as good as gold. Yeah, because with Kira McGeehan too, I think she wears her heart in her sleeve, and even smaller meets mean an awful lot to her. I remember her being in tears when she picked up an injury at the Alone International Grand Prix a few years ago, and the late Jerry Kiernan had kind of had a bit of a go with her, at her about her preparations, and I was chatting to her afterwards, and she was just so disappointed not to have gone and put a show on, even for the crowd that were there that night. And then when it came to major championships, there have been so many times she walked off the track and felt that she wasn't living up to the massive expectations, which have really called hung over her since she was basically called the next Sonia O'Sullivan when she was still a junior runner. And then Amsterdam, she was like 24, I think, when she got that medal. And there was always that feeling that she was going to kick on a medal at major championships. That's a huge expectation to have on any athlete when these majors only come around every few years. It really is. And, you know, for a lot of athletes like McGeehan and Thomas Barr and Mark English, you know, the Europeans is where we kind of have to fairly gauge them because, you know, just at a global level in their events, it is so, so difficult. The depth is just so strong. But McGeehan is certainly an athlete. You know, she made the world final in 2019. I think that's when we saw her really breaking through to kind of become what so many of us had seen from her at junior level, which was a real freakish outlying kind of talent. To have won a silver medal at World Under 20 Championships is so, so difficult because obviously, not only is it a global championship, but a lot, historically, a lot of the East African athletes are, you know, known to be overage at those championships. There's a lot of uncertainty about their birth certs. And for, so to win a silver medal as a European athlete is extremely rare and extremely difficult. So we knew back then how huge a talent Kira McGeehan was. But obviously, once you're out into senior, you know, you've got five, eight, ten versions of world under 20 championships. Those athletes all coming together in an open category. And she has the misfortune at global level to be up in what is undoubtedly the greatest era ever of women's 1500 meter running. And, you know, you have Faith Kipiegon, who is the greatest undoubtedly of all time. So the gold medal these days is just gone to her automatically. And then Laura Muir and the Ethiopian guy, And then you have Sifan Hassan as well. It really is a golden generation. So it's probably going to be impossible for Kira McGeehan to ever realistically win an Olympic medal, but she's getting a whole lot closer. And the athlete who won bronze, just behind her there in Munich, Sofia Inoui won finished fifth in the world final in Oregon. So you would have to say Kira obviously bypassed that to save herself for the Commonwealths and the Europeans. Looks like a very wise decision now. But as you look towards Budapest next year and Paris Olympics in two years' time, you know, with a few injuries, with Kira perhaps finding another percent or two, there's no reason she couldn't be in the top five or six in both the world and Olympic final, which you know, and then once you're in that scenario, as we've seen so often, like who knows if there's a bronze medal going, but she's slowly clawing her way up to that level. And she is the type of athlete now who will have huge confidence that it's not just a hope. It'll almost be an expectation next year that she can try and get into that world final and then the Olympic final in 2024. What do you put her improvement in form this summer down to? Was it largely down to that decision to skip Worlds and to be fresh for a few week period and actually hit top form? Has Manchester helped her a lot? Is it the maturity of turning 30 and maybe some of those pressures going away? What do you put it down to? I think it's probably just health and consistency. There are probably two things she often didn't have in the past and she seems to be getting on like a house on fire with her new coach, Helen Clitheroe. 
Um, it's probably hard to attribute too much to that right now because she only took over in March from, or in April from Steve Vernon, who got a job with British Athletics. So he had to step away. But I mean, that transition has been absolutely seamless. And Helen Clitheroe is an athlete that Kira looked up to during her own career, you know, a world class 1500 meter runner herself. And they seem to be clicking very well. But I think really it's just it's health and consistency. It's something that's so often been missing in the career of Kira McGeehan. And now that she's got it, she's probably reaching her peak a lot later than most. But the benefit of that as she goes into her 30s is there's no reason she can't compete at a world class level for another four or six years. You know, LA 2028 can be on her agenda over 1500 meters because, like I said, she had those kind of missing years through injury in her early 20s that she is reaching the peak later than most. Mark English was a nice little way to round off the weekend and the end of the championships with his uh, bronze in the 800 metres because there were a few near misses and maybe expectations and people probably put a lot of expectation onto the 4 by 400 team uh, particularly going into their final um, but English is now a double European outdoor medalist at this stage Yeah, I mean, Mark English you know, it's funny because he again, like McGeehan was one of those athletes who everyone was like this is the most talented athlete since Eamon Coughlin, you know Everyone was putting that on his shoulders as a youngster and he very nearly broke the national record at the age of 20, you know, two hundredths of a second off it. I think he is obviously freakishly talented, but I think for Mark, sometimes that's hung over him like a burden because I guess the inference when people say you're talented is that you're almost not hardworking. And I know he would take great offense given the amount of work he puts in after his day job as a doctor. He's working out in Mayo there for the last year or two. So it's quite a difficult juggling act. And I think what's probably helped him hugely over the last couple of months is he took time off. From medicine to try and just train full-time and I think the big thing there is recovery you know you're not going into sessions tired and that was definitely an issue for him on the build-up you know talking to his coach Phelan Kelly like he would have been flying in early in 2021 on the build-up to Tokyo Olympics but then you can't really call the shots when you're a doctor about when you want to take time off or take shifts off and he'd be maybe showing up for sessions tired and just maybe not able to train and recover the way some of his rivals would but he's managed that juggling act brilliantly uh, this year. And obviously those couple of months off in the summer really seem to have freshened him up. And to the point where he can go into the World Championships last year, he can make the top 10 just missing that eight-man final. And he can go to the Europeans. And I think what we're seeing now, he's been working with Phelan Kelly for the last, I think, almost two years now, a year and a half or so at least. And I think Phelan is someone who was also mentoring him back in 2014 when he was coached by Nick Bidot when he won that first European medal at the age of 20, 21, I think he was then back in Zurich. And I think Phelan is someone who understands Mark English. He gets through to him and he can kind of work with his very kind of scientific, analytical mind that Mark has. And they, they pair up so well together. And I think there is big, big things in the future of Mark English because as he now has made the top 10 at World Champs, he's made the podium at a European Champs. And I should say that podium he made was a much, much harder podium to make than it was back in 2014. It was a much weaker race back in 2014. So to be honest, this is a bigger achievement, what he has done in Munich, because he had the world indoor 800 meter champion in front of him and the world outdoor 1500 meter champion. So it took two world reigning world champions to beat Mark English last weekend, which in the 800 at the moment, at global level, there is no standouts there. There is no David Rudisha. There's no one running 142 or 141 the way there was 10 years ago. So when Mark English looks at the next year, looks at the, the road to the Paris Olympics two years from now, he will know if I can just, he's in the 144s now, if he can just get into the 143s and he looks very capable of that, there's no reason at all he can't be in a world or Olympic final and perhaps even challenging for medals because his event right now is not where the women's 1500 is. It's not at its peak. It's not an all-time great generation. So there's no reason Mark English can't be competitive on the global stage. Phelan Kelly, one of those Irish coaches that you've been advocating for, many people will have read your open letter to Minister Jack Chambers 
yesterday and you know one of the things coming out of uh, these games are how many of the athletes okay there are exceptions say like Rashid Adelecki who's over in the NCAA system in the States at the moment but a lot of homegrown talents have performed remarkably well at these games and in many cases it's down to the coaching that they've been receiving here in Ireland and you strongly feel that now the time has come for the Irish government to actually back these coaches financially. Absolutely. I mean, if it doesn't happen now and if something game-changing doesn't occur in the wake of this, like you had a week when how many Irish athletes were on the front pages of Irish newspapers last week? Rashida was, Israel Olatunde was, Mark English was, Kira McGeehan was, and you had so many people across the nation tuning in at 7 or 8 o'clock on the evening watching RTE and shouting at their TVs as an Irish athlete was again up there in the top six, contending for medals, top eight. We'd so, with this golden generation of juniors coming through, and if they're not supported now, I really feel it's never going to happen. Now, Athletics Ireland for years have been, to be honest, trying their best. And high performance director Paul McNamara is, you know, he's, he's doing a lot of very honest things. He's a true athletics man who wants to help the coaches and he's trying to help the coaches. And I've seen how he's trying to help the coaches. You know, maybe it's paying for flights to a training camp. Maybe it's taking someone like Phelan Kelly or Dan Kilgallen as a team coach to the championships, whereas in the past, they would have had to pay their own flights. Now, there were a lot of athletes or were a lot of coaches who were going over as personal coaches to Munich who had to pay their own flights, their own accommodations. And, you know, they wouldn't really mind about that. That's obviously one week in the year. But I think the big injustice is that a lot of these coaches who are coaching our very, very best athletes for the other 51 weeks of the year, when they go to training, they're paying their own petrol. When they're going on a training camp with a group of Olympians, they're also paying for their own training camp. To me, it's not right. Um, it's not right because we have other sports where we do have one or two professional coaches, say in gymnastics or rowing. Now, it's much more difficult to replicate that in athletics because our athletes are so spread out both across the country, across the various event groups, but also across the world. You know, Kira McGeehan trained by a professional coach in Manchester in Helen Clitheroe. Rashida trained by a professional coach who's on a, a high six-figure salary over in the University of Texas. World-class coaches. But at the moment, we have coaches like Phelan Kelly, like Daniel Kilgallen, like Noel Morrissey down in Limerick, like Jeremy Lyons in Dublin. I could could go on and on. There's so many of them um, who are operating with the same knowledge, the same expertise and the same hard work. But the difference with them is they're often doing it after a day's work. They're doing it. They're juggling family time. They're skipping family holidays. They're putting the burden on their partners sometime. And really, that's just not fair. And it's also not sustainable that we as a country would put the burden on them to just continue doing it as volunteers out of the goodness of their heart. We need to start rewarding them. Yeah, your dog feels very strongly about this as well. It would he does. He's very angry back there. <laughs> um, when it comes to this, it probably is the only time to press this argument too, because what tends to happen now is that everyone gets excited about athletics now because we're coming out of major championships and next thing it'll be about the Olympic cycle in uh, just over a year's time as everyone is getting ready with qualifications and get ready for Paris and then it's back in focus again and then once Paris fin- once Paris will finish it goes off the agenda once again so if an argument is going to be made it probably needs to be made now it does it absolutely does and like I've looked at the Athletics Ireland high performance plan for the next six years and it, it incrementally tries to edge towards some form of professional coaching structure but when you look at it, you know, it's the idea is to have one professional coach in 2024. And it's also attempting to sort of fund, you know, I guess bursaries, a group of maybe six to 10 Irish coaches. But you just know, you see the budget is remaining static from Sport Ireland. And you think, where is this money going to come from? And, you know, they're talking about bringing in a, someone with a proven track record of success on the global stage. 
um, to mentor Irish coaches. And they've done great work at Athletics Ireland in terms of building those mentorship programs and building those relationships with international athletes or international coaches, bringing them over maybe for a weekend. There's some really world-renowned names come in the last few years. And Dan Kilgallen was one of the people behind that. That's all great. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you're going to get one of these heavyweight coaches over to Ireland to either mentor Irish coaches or to actually coach some of our best athletes themselves, you're talking about a high six-figure sum. And I think what's far more practical is that we start professionalizing and supporting some Irish coaches. And it's not as if you're saying do them all. You know, sometimes they say, oh, well, who will we fund? As if it's you have to fund several hundred coaches who work in clubs across Ireland. It's not that. If you look at it, if you look down the list of the people who went to the Europeans, who went to the Olympics last year, there's a handful. It's pretty much a small handful. It's maybe 10 or a dozen coaches. And around the different areas of Ireland and around the different event groups, the good athletes tend to gravitate towards them. But at the moment, you see and you talk to these coaches and you can see the burden it puts on their personal lives and their professional lives. Some of them really regress in their career or have to call in favours from family and co-workers all the time. And it's just not right. It's not right that we pay the physios, we pay the nutritionists, we pay the psychologists. They all are rightfully paid, but we don't pay the coach. And if that doesn't stop now, it's never going to stop. And that was the basis for that letter to Jack Chambers that put your money where your mouth is. You know, you were over there tweeting about the athletes. That's great. It's great that you show an interest. It's great that you show that you care. And it's great that you're mixing with all these people. But to be honest, all of this stuff means absolutely nothing unless you step up and properly fund Irish coaches to make it attractive for them. Because at the moment, the system... The system is in such a state that the only way any of these people can work full time coaching athletics is to emigrate. And that's not the way it should be. Yeah. The two cover stars then who didn't come home with medals, but came home with their reputations massively enhanced. Rashid Adelecki first, because her splits in the four by 400 were very impressive in the relays. Her run was incredibly impressive in the final. By her own admission, if maybe she didn't have the naivety of a quick little look across at the big screen to see where she was coming out of lane one when she was coming around the corner, it may have caused her to stutter just a little bit in the final. But ran remarkably well. For someone who is so new to 400 metres, she was talking about like she's only had half a dozen runs competitively at 400 metres. Now, I take the point Kleena Foley made it on the pay-per-view here and off the ball the weekend that there are plenty of high-class operators at her age in the 400 metres already. So we shouldn't just cling to the fact that because she's young, she's going to become a star. But still, she is breaking out quite impressively in 400 metres. She is. To be honest, it, when you look at what Rashida did last week, it's very hard not to get a bit carried away with hyperbole or hope for the future because it was absolutely groundbreaking. I mean... The time she ran, you know, would have made, I think it would have finished, placed her eighth in the Olympic final last year, you know, and she's already turning in performances at the age of 19 that would put her up there in the top 10 in the world at world championships or at Olympics. So to have done that at 19, now obviously Sydney McLaughlin is 21. Um, so, you know, there are obviously, as Kleena mentioned on the pay-per-view, there's a lot of athletes at 19, 20, 21 who are already competing at a world-class level. So I, I don't think we in Ireland can think it's some way different that we have a 19 year old who's up there but I mean she's progressing at a rate of knots and she is so new to the 400 she wasn't training for the 400 this year she was training for the 200 the NCAAs and obviously jumping in four by 400s and four by 100 meters over in Texas um but again that was her the final I think was her 49th maybe race of the year she's run about 50 races this year and to for one of the last championships to be her best is just astonishing because she's been training since you know or racing since january without really and much of a break and obviously took a little break was planning to go on holidays to mexico after the world championships and then cancel that to go to munich so to have achieved what she achieved 
I, there is just no fault you can find in that. Now, being the ambitious athlete she was, she could see the bronze medal right there and maybe she'll look at it and say, if she got a better lane by running a harder semi-final or if she wasn't looking at the big screen, obviously it could have been a bronze medal. But I think we'll look back at this championship in years to come and think, you know what, it doesn't really matter because that bronze or fifth place will not really make a difference given what, if she stays healthy, she could go on to achieve. And what's rare is wonderful, which is having an Irishman competing in a 100 metres final. The world's championship level is totally different to European when it comes to 100 metres. But that notwithstanding, Israel Olatunde breaking the record, which had been held by Hessian for, what, 15 years, I think, before this championships, to have run so well in the final, to have run so impressively to qualify for the final in the first place. It's nice to have an Irishman actually competing in a 100 metres major final. It is. I mean, 10-17 in that final to have brought his best at the, again, the end of a long season with the pressure on. A lot of athletes, when they get into a big thing like that and they see someone like the Olympic champion pulling away from the tighten up, you know, it's the enemy of good sprinting is tightening up and feeling under pressure. He managed to, a, a miraculous trick for a man so young to stay so relaxed in that final. And that's something him and Daniel Kigallan had been working on coming into this championship. But yeah, to have run 10-17 in pretty much steel conditions, you know, we have to remember Paul Hessian had a 1.9 meters per second wind, which if you put that behind Israel Olatunde during that final would have meant he probably would have run under 10.10. That's obviously in perfect conditions, but that's indicative of the level he's now climbing to. There's no reason he can't run 10.10 in the years ahead. But again, a lot of things have to fall his way. And we always have had so many good 18, 19, 20 year olds. It's brilliant that he's already done it on the world stage, but you always have to, I guess, remember that there are so many things can go wrong and so many things have to go right mainly staying injury free but thankfully under Daniel Kilgallen and the guidance he's got he couldn't have a better man in this corner for the next year we know he's going to work with Daniel Kilgallen he's going to finish up then in UCD and no surprises that the the US college scouts and I'm sure professional groups will be showing a big interest in him then so it wouldn't surprise me if Israel Olatunde took his talents off to the US system perhaps for a year or two in the NCAAs but I mean for where he's at right now 20 years old sixth in Europe it couldn't be more exciting yeah exciting opportunities ahead look good luck with decompressing after a couple of weeks of top class athletics at the Olympic Stadium in uh, Munich and Carl thanks a million for joining us on the show thank you very much